Don't let them take away. Don't take it away from ourselves. You're playing that. You're playing right into their hands when you sort of like, oh, the vaccine. If you don't want to take it, you shouldn't be forced to take it. No mandates. But take credit because we saved tens of millions of lives. No, take, take credit. credit. Don't let them take that away from you. Okay, so the president made news. Do you agree with that? Right? The only thing he said true was you shouldn't have to take it. Both the president and I are vaxxed. And uh, did you get the booster? Yes. I got it, too. Okay, so... Um, oh, don't, 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 don't. I mean, the globalists are injecting children with deadly poison everywhere that they know erases their immune system. And Trump is running around in his stupid red tie, playing the part of the apprentice CEO, telling everybody, oh, you're playing into their hands, not taking their shot. No, Trump, you are playing into their hands and destroying yourself and signing yourself on to the new world order. And that idiot Bill O'Reilly, what a pervert. Doesn't even know how to pick women up. It's, just, it's, just, it's all just an incredible joke. Everybody's too busy with their own life and their own thing and their own this and their own candy-ass BS to wake up out of the coma that there is a satanic, off-world, alien attack going on on this planet. I mean, you look at it, you analyze it, this ain't human. And you people need to wake up and rally against it, or maybe we are a bad species. Maybe this thing wiping us out's good. I just know this, there is an advanced intelligence running this damn thing, and it's sophisticated. It's a total revolution against the planet itself. I've done my research, and I talk about it, I get chills, folks. And the churches aren't going to tell you. It is an alien force out of this world attacking humanity like the Bible and every other ancient text says. It's not of this world. I don't know exactly what it is or what it's doing. But this is not human intelligence, okay? It's not human intelligence! Tabs in a six-pack episode 127 with Monica Perez and Brad Binkley of the Propaganda Report, and this is a new live son of a bitch. This is a new live son of a bitch. The globalists don't believe in Satanism. They believe they're contacting interdimensional aliens through the drug use. They're gonna merge with the machines blast off into hyperdimensional space. And that's why they're so crazy. That's why they want to get rid of us. That's why they're smiling and giddy and acting so nuts. They believe they are in contact with these entities and are being directed by them. And the entities are telling them, eternal life, total power, total control, everything you could ever want, just kill everyone, set up a world government, build this design we're telling you, build what we're telling you, build this, build this, let us through, build the Hadron Collider, open the dimensions, let us in, we're going to really help you, we're friendly little guys. Abs in a six pack. Abs in a six pack. Abs in a six pack. <laughs> Is that funny? It's pretty funny. Oh, Brad, Monica, how you doing? I'm Great. jacked up after that. Yeah, me intro. too. Totally revved up. Like I, I agreed with a lot of that actually. <laughs> <laughs> Bill O'Reilly and his loofah. That's the first thing I thought about as well. Dude, what loofah? I'd basically he get left you in the a shower. message on some woman's 
voicemail, like I think back when you had answer machines about yeah. what she needs to do with her loofah in the shower, and he was real, yeah. like he was real Bill O'Reilly about it. Midnight Prince Mike, uh, OBDM plays that clip of him going like, and then I'd basically massage your boobs. You'd basically yeah. be in the shower. It's like, oh, God. You've never heard oh, this? God, it's, no. Yeah, you should check I it out. I try to avoid that stuff. It skews me totally, but nothing could be as bad as Prince Charles. I think was it on his honeymoon that he with Princess Diana that he told Camilla he wanted to like be her tampon or something? Oh my gosh, I had not oh, yeah. heard that one. He no, looks like a tampon. Worse than he kind of does. Like I'm sure our we could get a uh, a Koodle cartoon for our newsletter that has Prince Charles <laughs> as a tampon. Oh my god, we have that, an in-house cartoonist is what, that he wants to eat her out while she's bleeding. Like what's, what's oh, seems to be. I think he just wanted to tuck up in there and and hang out in her yeah, vagina. Yeah, but you don't like, use a tampon when you're when it's not that. I, yeah, that's a good point. But yeah. maybe he just felt like she could. Maybe that's give how him he freebie. does adrenochrome. He does it a little bit different than everybody else. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, red wing, ad- red ring, the red wing adrenochrome. Yeah. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's gnarly. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to just like take just dive right into like the grossest stuff I ever said. I don't know that thing. Is that funny? It's pretty funny. That just made yeah. That just got me in the mood to just whatever take the <laughs> take the restraints off. Yeah. I I can guarantee that uh, worse things have been said on this show. <laughs> you and the it, the uh, when it comes to Alex Jones and the interdimensional satanic plan to push everybody with the vaccines. I listened to you on Union of the Unwanted, the recent one with Dr. Peter McCullough. Yes. And uh, that's cool. Which, by the way, great show. It's something that I could never be a part of because it's just too many people. I would have a panic attack with more than. Yeah, I was long. actually. <laughs> I was surprised the first time I was on it and said something that, like, one second into it, I was like, oh, crap. Like, I'm panicking. And they didn't <laughs> like what I was saying. I was like, oh. Trump's going to take away Section 230 of the Internet and F us all. And they were just like, he's a hero. I was like, oh, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I still think that, but I didn't mean to just come out swinging. I figured everybody agreed with me, but no. That was a while ago, though. Well, I I pulled one clip from that that I uh, just because I loved it. It was, you know, it was all science and medicine and doctors. And then within like 15 minutes of McCullough leaving, it goes straight into this. I believe that the answer is in a video out there that I will put a link in this chat. And it's one from 2018 where Ronald Bernard, who was a former banker who worked among the 8,000, if you believe that, among the 8,000 above the banks, above the BIS, the IMF and the World Bank, he worked through the 80s and 90s with them. And these people on a level that we don't see or even know today sacrifice children to interdimensional beings. Yeah. They hate all. Like, all right. McCullough's gone. That's John Paul Rice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I know who that is. That was great. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I believe, actually do believe that they do human hunting parties and child sacrifice and stuff, but I, I've never crossed over into thinking about interdimensional beings or aliens. I'm just, I'm not there. But the stuff that you were playing earlier- That's cool. Have you ever done DMT? Straight out of it. <laughs> no, I no, haven't. Just... I haven't. And, or adrenochrome, nothing like that. But that stuff is straight out of the X-Files though. Like that narrative yeah. is straight. I've been re-watching all the old X-Files in order. And this idea of they told us to create this world government and kill everybody, that is straight out of, I think, like season six. Yeah, I'm not X-Files. saying it's not true. I'm just saying <laughs> it's it's been done for sure. That was, uh, yeah, they, I mean, the, who, the, 
I can't remember the creator, but I know the creator of Breaking Bad was one of the head writers on X Files. Vince Gilligan. Oh, Gil really? Um, oh, Vince yeah. Gilligan. Mm -hmm. I can't remember how to say his last name, but yeah, I mean, yeah. whoever makes the X Files is dialed in. Even in the new season, uh, they have an Alex Jones character <clears throat> that starts off as the yeah. bad guy and kind of a goofball, but by the end of the new X Files season, it turns out he was right about literally everything <laughs> the world government, the vaccines. Well, there was a Howard Stern where they had the fake Alex Jones and he was talking to Bill Gates, who was a lizard and had oh, like yeah. in, like um, syringes sticking out all over him. And it was funny because my husband, who's a total normie, called me and my son in, who's not. And he played this for He's laughing his ass off. And my son and I look at each other it's like, I think he's right. <laughs> like the, the 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 fake Alex Jones was even more right than Howard Stern and maybe even the real Howard, Alex Jones. Like it was all pretty, I thought it was pretty Stern, self-evident. Stern's <laughs> getting a lot of mileage out of the Alex Jones gags nowadays. I mean, he had Alex on like post 9-11 years ago, years and years ago. Now he just does, he says whatever CNN says basically now. A yeah. little edgier, but. He's, did he also say the screw your freedom thing like Schwarzenegger did? But yeah, something similar, yeah. I remember the whole migration of Howard Stern back in the day. He tried to speak truth to power, and he ran for governor, and they would literally take his guys off the street and beat them up. And I don't know what happened, but he kind of went from being politically controversial to just, like, doing all strippers and sex stuff. I think, you know, he made that decision that everybody makes, the carrot or the stick. And, I mean, you pick the carrot or obscurity, but you're not going to pick the stick. There's no point in it. Yep. Yeah. And with I've... Alex, you know, I used to go back and forth. Like I, I was just like, he's total disinformation. He discredits a lot of the good points that he makes. And now I feel like I'm not so sure. Like I, I'm almost coming back around, like saying he just, I, I think he just is who he is. I'm not sure. I have ice cream. I have cookies. I have candy, five-year-old. <laughs> Uh, you said you said on Union of the Unwanted, you stepped on like a long time ago. You stepped on some toes talking about like Trump being uh, possibly not that great. Well, this was what my argument was from the beginning, from the beginning, and I was surprised at how many people didn't want to hear it. Was that if it if Hillary had won? This would never, they could never have done the lockdown the way they did. I used to try to get people to march on Washington to get rid of the emergency order or whatever, whatever it took to kind of call attention countrywide and nobody would go. And I said, if Hillary had been elected, there would be 4 million long guns on the mall right now. And he told us to stand down and we stood down. And I, and I actually reached out to other people who organized some of the Obama care marches where I went to all of them. And I got the same thing from everybody. We're directing people to protest at the local level. And that's what everybody did. And it really didn't do, it, it does make some, it, it has done some good, but we could have, I think we would have made more headway. It's like the Pope. If the Pope hadn't been in on it, it really just wouldn't have happened this way. I think. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. I, I, I was hopeful. I never, like I'm on record from the beginning saying like, he's a psyop, but I really hope it's real. Maybe it's not a psyop. I hope it's real, but like the, and I think that's how a lot of us were. It was just it's like, man, because, you know, you, want, you want to have somebody in there fighting for you, but I think uh, a lot of it just turned out to be a big old charade. Yeah, I think they're going to try and turn Q into the worldwide Nazi, basically. I think that that is what they want to do. Because they, they, you see them, you see articles where they're talking about how 
because of America, in fact, some of the deconstruction we've done on some videos on Rockfin from the CFR, where they're talking about their plans, what they're going to do, they're, they're talking about how because America has the First Amendment and they allow people to, to speak, that we have allowed QAnon and conspiracy theories theories to spread around the earth, to poison the earth, <laughs> and the QAnon-like groups have emerged in Germany and France, and they're protesting, and that they're terrorists, and how they want to classify QAnon as as like a domestic terrorist, but also an international terrorist, where the world has to unite and even look outside of America, was one of the questions that was asked at this, uh, this panel discussion. Do we look outside of America for help to fight this QAnon threat that originated in America? And I thought it was kind of interesting that the whole Q phenomenon kind of supposedly, I believe, emerged from military intelligence. And this whole thing the whole time was that Q had to kind of orchestrate a coup to take back the presidency for the actual sitting president. Remember how kind of twisted that was? Like the military needs to go in and yeah. push out the Obama holdovers so President Trump can be president. And then you also had the uh, trust the plan. The reason trust the plan came up or that coup thing came up is that they were trying to reconcile the cognitive dissonance of Trump really not changing the direction of the country for the better in any kind of fundamental way that we, that the people he was appealing to had really... Um, learned from our parents and said, like, that's why Ron Paul could ignite the youth because the youth still had that legacy, that heritage of true American or like the foundational documents as being the foundation of this country. And Trump really never gave lip service even to the Bill of Rights or anything like that. So he, he just, it was all about that external anger and giving voice to people, making them feel better, fighting fire with fire and all that. But it wasn't really getting anywhere and he needed some cover. And I think that's why you got that, that trust the plan stuff. Michael Flynn's still pushing that stuff. Uh, and we just had Rob do on from Infowars, and um, he's like, he's hung out a little bit with Mike Flynn and Flynn's still pushing the Q stuff. Like still, but this, he has, was the head of the defense intelligence agency when they cooked up ISIS. Like, how can you trust that guy? He was a Democrat. Yeah. What do you know? I mean, what they stuff did a good, great job with reverse psychology, if that's the case, because I mean they arrested Flynn and Roger Stone, but he didn't and they go attacked, to jail, and they attacked. And Trump. I used to so, say yeah, it could. It's I. It's like twenty D chess at this point. If this was all, if this was, I all know, but crazy, but. You know, I don't know if everybody knows everything, but I do. But I always ask, like, let me see how long these people are staying in jail, because if they're not going to jail. And even even like Bradley Manning or Chelsea Manning, I was like, is this guy going to be oh, in jail forever? And he's sorry. He's <laughs> out anyway, but he's out. And even Hinckley, who was a friend of the Bushes and shot President Reagan, is out. So with, with Quinn or not Quinn, with Flynn, I am curious about what specifically is he citing Q or is he talking about specific things? Because what they do with Q is they have Q as this kind of symbol that they the media has taken and, and is using it as not people who uh, participate in it, but just how the media portrays it. And they say that if you are a conspiracy theorist, if you question the election results, if you are vaccine hesitant, anything that disagrees with the main narrative, they associate that they say that that is a Q theory and it's radical oh, yeah. and dangerous. 
So I wonder when they say somebody is talking about Q, are they actually just talking about legitimate theories and then they're trying to demonize those theories by associating them with Q? Well, I mean, I'm talking about the level where Mike Flynn and Steve Pachinik are both saying, you know, <laughs> Hillary and Ellen DeGeneres have ankle bracelets on and Trump's going to get reinstated on oh, this wow. day. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's definitely. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like Trump's going to get reinstated is what, like, recently I heard from Flynn. So I don't know. But, and Steve Pachinik's still pushing that hard. Um, and, but the biggest red flag was literally the flag thing with Trump. The first one, I shouldn't say the biggest, the first red flag with Trump was the flag thing. It's like, if you burn a flag or disrespect the flag, you should be in jail for a year. And I was like, that's not very that, First Amendment-y of you. That was similar to when he's on tape, I saw it on video, saying, we can worry about due process later. Take the guns, then worry about due process later. And that's... That's a that's a recipe for disaster too. People get killed that way. Yeah, uh, I actually have. Did you guys catch? Uh, it's behind a paywall, so I had to bootleg it allegedly. But uh, Candace Owens interviewed Trump. It came out last night. No, no I didn't see it. Uh, she, there's a clip of her. She, she <laughs> Trump kind of gets annoyed at her when she says she's not vaccinated and isn't going to get vaccinated. Which you know that's a whole other can of worms. Is what <laughs> who Candace Owens is working for. But uh, I thought this was an interesting clip, and it's a lot to deconstruct in this, like, 55 seconds here, because Candace Owens asked Trump, why didn't he pardon Assange and Snowden? And I want to ask you, in terms of talking about this corruption, by the way, a name that comes to mind in the news recently is Julian, Julian Assange. You know, he was exposing this corruption early yeah. on. He's had his life ruined because of it. It's, it's a really sad story. Edward Snowden, I mean, think about that bravery. For me, I was quite young when that was going on. <laughs> but, I mean, the idea of saying, hey, whistleblowing, actually, we've got some corruption going on. They're not being honest with the American people. You could have had a chance to pardon these individuals. What was why, yeah. why, why decide not so, to in that moment? You have two sides of it. In yeah. one case, you have like sort of a spy deal <laughs> going on. And in another case, you have somebody that's exposing real corruption. Right. Uh, I feel a little bit, I won't say which one, but I feel a little bit more strongly about one than the other. Right. Uh, but, and you probably understand that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I could have done it, but I will say you have people on both sides of that issue, good people on both sides, and you have Fine some bad people. people on one side. Uh, but I decided to let that one ride, let the courts work it out. What do you think Has of that? Trump not learned not to use both sides yet? Has yeah. he learned that that is not a At least he said phrase. good He's... people and not fine people. Right. I, I do find it interesting when he does stuff like that, when he when he's like, I, I you know, I feel a little stronger about one than the other. I'm not going to say which one, but I think you understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> Just to really make it clear who he's trying to appeal to there. The, the vagueness, the still deniability, but trying to speak to a certain group. Oh, well, I, I took it what he said as as what, feel more strongly about one than the other as him talking about. Assange versus Snowden, right? Are we? Yeah, that's why I think oh, okay. I think that he is saying that if it were up to him, that he would have done it. But which one? For did whatever he like, reason, he didn't. Snowden. Yeah. I think. But see, or, I maybe think both. I well, let me let me play this back because this is my take on a report. What was why, yeah. why why decide not so, to in that moment? You have two sides of it. In yeah. one case, you have like sort of a spy deal going on, and you have sort of a spy deal going on. So we know Snowden yeah. was CIA before he was NSA. I think Trump is saying that Snowden's. Uh, cia guy like doing bad things like snowden was not necessarily a hero but i think he's saying that assange he like uh, wow okay. supports more because Snowden. yeah I, I agree with you snowden was says, an agent yeah. for sure i think like the cia is doing shady stuff and they're like fuck the nsa 
we don't want the NSA reading our text messages and shit that we're doing over here at the CIA. So they, that was like a CIA op against the NSA was Snowden. See, there. I'm going to give you my union of the unwanted moment. Yeah. I think both of those guys are totally fake and that Ross Albrecht is real and that's why they don't talk about him. Oh, yeah, good point. So you think even like Assange is, uh, is fully Absolutely, compromised? Yeah. Think of this why. This is why. I think this is that if he didn't exist, they'd have to invent him and they didn't. If they, they would need a honeypot to attract all the whistleblowers. There was one. It was either Cryptome or I think it was called Cryptome. I don't know. I forget the guy's name who did it, but he was totally legit. And if you would give him whistleblower stuff, he would just immediately post it and make it public 100%. He didn't curate it. He didn't have any rights to it, whatever. Julian Assange makes you give him all the stuff. He curates it and you have no further rights to it. He literally ties mm. you up legally. And that's and and also he was in a cult as a child. And I have a, a really fabulous postcard of him. I'd have to really track it down where he was a did a drag show as Jane Mansfield, I think. So Julian Assange made a beautiful woman. Yeah. And and I, I just feel like he was probably sneaking out the back of the Ecuadorian embassy and living life in drag or something like I just feel like his story is very fishy. But mostly there is no honeypot. Someone has to be the honeypot, and I think it's him. Hmm. And even with I the like stuff the that he's released, like nothing's ever really happened. So then, and with Edward Snowden, that story is fishy. And if you watch him on Joe Rogan, it's clear the guy is still a CIA agent and mm -hmm. or nothing. I think he was really just an actor from the get-go. I think I, I had found some like really weird pictures of him, like kind of voguing amateurishly. And Binkley said it looked like, I don't want to out you for knowing what this looks like, Binkley, but you're like, it kind of looks like, you know, headshots that he might, or modeling shots that he might put in the back of a trade rag. And we kind of thought more looked like a sex trade, you know, kind of like that kind of thing. I think Boy I said headshots. I don't said, I don't think I said back of a sex trade rag. Well, it was something, whatever. Our conversation led me to think that this guy was simply like a model or an actor playing they a role. They do look and like the, headshots, but. And he know. never changes his look. Like, And he has said, he said on Rogan, like, I'm amazed that people still recognize me even when only my eyes are showing. And I'm like, when are your eyes, only your eyes showing? Are, are you walking around in drag too? Like, what is going <laughs> on here? And then like Brian Williams, this is the most wanted person in the world. And Brian Williams interviews him and like that doesn't come out of anything and nothing comes out of it. And most suspicious was when he was on the lam and he was stuck in like the international terminal in I think Moscow, the world's press was there. And it was a place that had like one 45 room hotel, one public bathroom, one coffee shop. And this guy was nowhere to be seen. I just don't, I just did not believe that story from the beginning. And I said, what he's doing is he's getting all the illegal stuff that we've been up to that our government's been up to that didn't fall under the USA Patriot Act and he's prompting them to make it all legal and then came the USA Freedom Act and mm. then it now it is all legal and there's nothing to it and so I does, just th that stuff's all crap to me both of those guys does that mean that Oliver Stone and Glenn Greenwald and those guys were in on the scam I don't I don't I I think Glenn Greenwald yes because also that Pierre Omidyar was outed in a in a a subscription magazine online called Pando, where he had been outed as having deep ties to the U.S. I think the State Department and worked towards and funded 
a like the most recent Ukrainian revolution, which is a real Soros thing to do. This is Pierre Omichar, who is bankrolling the intercepts, Glenn Greenwald, the lawyers for Snowden. I think there was some connection with Assange there as well. So, I mean, they, you can actually trace it back to the deep state right there. Mm. Sorry. You give See, me a lot to think. Why, okay, you kind of blow my this mind. This is why I was not now, a hit. <laughs> no, now I'm just kind of now I'm kind of like just backtracking and rethinking every like how much of the uh, deep state versus you know deep state versus the uh, quote unquote patriot stuff or you know whistleblowers is just all complete theater. Now I'm like having to re go back and rethink a lot of that. Well, I would say the stuff that makes it that gets press coverage is theater. I think yeah. there are plenty of people who are not theatrical, and I think that plenty of people die for it. I really think that Joan Rivers and Anthony Bourdain were killed for not being corruptible like that. I think there's people get canceled. If that doesn't work, they get killed. I think there are lots and lots of people. Binkley held out hope, which I admired, that Trump was Batman, you know, that there was, you know, there is a Batman somewhere working behind the scenes, billionaire by day, superhero by night. He said that before Q was even really a thing. I said but that as soon as he started to run. That if, Before he won, yeah. Yeah, so if, because my thinking was, I didn't necessarily know if I believed that it was him, but that if someone were to come in and, and, from the inside dismantle the deep state, then they would have to essentially be a Batman. They'd have to be a rich dude, and then they'd have to pretend to be what they are fighting. So they'd have to pretend to be one of these globalists, and they'd have to work their way up by essentially being a spy, and then at night going out and doing their Batman-like shit to, to free everybody. <laughs> Or you just have to, because uh, if you openly oppose it like Ron Paul does, you're just not going to get in. Yeah, they'll dominion the shit out of you in the primaries. Yeah. Now, yeah. I thinking back, like, Trump, it's weird, like, that opening clip where he's talking about how great the vaccines are and how they saved ten, tens of millions of lives. But, like, you go back to when he was running and when he was president-elect, Trump was talking about how we need to get vaccine safety studies and wanted to set up a safety panel with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Do you remember that? That never oh, happened. Oh, I don't actually remember that. And then there's a, there's a great clip uh, that I don't know if I have anymore, but uh, it's Bill Gates talking to the, at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He's like, I think uh, like Trump wanted to do a safety panel to tell, and this is pre-COVID, he's like, to see if MMR vaccines and other vaccines are causing harm. I told him that, that safety panel would be a dead end. Don't do that. He was going to do it with some guy. I think his name is Robert Kennedy Jr. <laughs> like, mispronounces Kennedy's name. And it's like, it's just so weird that, like, apparently Bill Gates just stepped, came to the White House and, like, kicked Robert F. Kennedy Jr. out. Like, was that all a charade? Or was Trump well, this, actually interested in I, vaccine safety at the time? I, I don't know. I will tell you this, that I noticed about the vaccine thing before this happened. There was, I think in December 2019, there was a UN conference of a subcommittee of health, and they were talking about how there has never been real safety studies done on adjuvants, and the vaccine issue is real, don't tell anybody. And then Dr. Shiva came out from his classroom in MIT and made this very clear presentation of the problem with adjuvants in vaccines. Did you ever see that? That's how Shiva came out. I think so, yeah. You're talking about the guy that invented and, email, right? Yes. Yeah. And that, <laughs> that guy's and, a character. And, yeah, he's a character. But I remember at the time, I was just, could not 
get my mind around how that was happening and the way I operate, the way I was thinking about it is I just, I said, look, the only way these two things coming out now makes any sense at all is if, and I'm sure I was on the record for saying it, is if there's a new vaccine technology that doesn't use adjuvants because they keep pointing to the problems with adjuvants. And the only thing I can think of is they want to do away with the old vaccines. And it was not like two months later that COVID happened. And I don't know how long after that till we saw for sure what they meant for the vaccines, which was probably six months after that. But so uh, if, if you think of, you could even be as, you don't even have to be, you could be less far down the rabbit hole than I am and simply say, big pharma is the new kind of defense industry, is the new, you know, military industrial complex. It's the military, it's the medical industrial complex. Medical industrial. They're super powerful. Yeah, they're super powerful. Biosecurity state. Yeah, exactly. And they, they call the shots and everything. So actually, if you look back at Cheryl Atkinson, I think her TED Talk, her example for how the news is manipulated is a wiki page that's full of big pharma plants. She talks about that, and I thought she is really skirting the issue. It's not big pharma that's the problem. It's banking, um, finance, and defense, you know, I mean, finance, uh, defense, and oil. Or if you want to go another layer, it's tech, ag, and then pharma. But if you just think it's pharma and that pharma owns all media, then everything's like an ad or everything is curated. And I don't think everything's fake, but I think that stuff was allowed to come out or Shiva was put up with, I don't know, because it, the timing was right. And and they wouldn't have let that stuff leak if the timing wasn't right. Why should I see You're this right. internal they, UN thing with like 4 million views? And, at, why? and it was like, you know, it was in 2019, they kept going like, oh, measles, mumps, there's a measles outbreak. All the Scientologists on the boat got measles and they're like, oh, we got measles shots. <laughs> and the so the, uh, and then... It, Right, like you know, near the tail end of 2019, like you said, there was also that WHO vaccine summit, and they and yeah, like that the, was what it was talking about the the wobbly front line, and they were like, we can't explain what to the front line of doctors who are seeing injured vaccine injured patients. We can't like you know, there we have a the exact quote was wobbly front line, and so yeah, that you're so right. So you remember up, that? Yeah, that set up the whole. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. You put it in a context I hadn't even thought of, but yeah, that that was the uh, tee up for the, the the COVID swing, the COVID vaccine swing. And yeah. pharma is defense. If you look at it in the sense of a bioweapon, they're developing these. <laughs> bio, pharma is defense. Actually, that's amazing that you should say that because I always pointed out that defense requires that other people have the same weapon. So that Robert Oppenheimer probably did give the Soviet Union the bomb only as a service to big defense here at home. And similarly, we, we have Stuxnet and we crash drones in Iran just so that we can justify spending half of the defense dollars of the entire world because... If they didn't, if if we did, if we had that kind of budget, nobody else could touch us. We got to actually literally give it away. And if you look at the history of bioweapons, they, some of these exact, I, I found a patent from the 80s of this kind of a bioweapon, and it came with the antidote. You sell it to other countries, but with an antidote. And that that's pharma for you. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Military has been <laughs> studying all factory warfare since 2013, at least. And when you talk about the sense of smell, I had COVID. I, my sense of smell isn't all the way back. It comes back at it took times. Me 10 months. And then you look and you see there's been research going on into all factory warfare for eight years or so. It's, I don't know if that's what's going on, but 
the sense I think of my smell dog is, is one of our most powerful defense mechanisms. My dog is engaged in olfactory warfare. He like definitely he's, he's, he's <laughs> the front lines of olfactory warfare. <laughs> and he, it even makes my eyes water sometimes. He's so effective. Yeah. Well, I can't even smell my dog anymore. So it's like, oh, perfect. That's how, why he, how he's long in ago, the house now. How long have you had the no <laughs> smell? Did you say since August? Uh, I had it ten months. Not no smell, but I could. I only started detecting a bottle of wine that went bad. That's how I absolutely knew. I was like, "Oh, huh. this yeah, is shit." I've gotten some of my smell back. It's not all the way still gone, but it's definitely right. not all the way back. I was convinced that COVID didn't even fucking exist. Like mm-hmm. when I had David Icke on, he he convinced me that they just made the whole thing up. But uh, Rob, Dew, I was too. Rob Dew Let me got tell it you. bad. Like Rob Rob Dew got it when? bad um, in twenty twenty one. Right. Uh yeah, it was like, uh, well, it was like around the when I did my hundredth episode because he was going to come on and he was super sick and he taped like a thing to, to play on the yeah. air. But he was like so bad that he was seeing like a ring wraith type demon over his bed and just sweating and couldn't breathe. And he ended up Yikes. getting like, um, like he was on death's door. Like when you're that bad, you're on, you're like pretty close. To yeah, death, yeah. I would imagine. You get scared. Yeah, and but this... uh, when you're hallucinating yeah. and stuff. But I, I either I had it in early 2019 because that was the sickest i think i've ever been with like before covid was even announced or supposedly came on a wuhan but i didn't lose my taste or smell or anything but i haven't been sick since then i didn't get sick at all in 2020 or 2021 knock on wood but so i don't either i never had it or i had it way early and it gave you the immunities but what i observed i totally was questioning whether it existed then towards the end of 2020 so about one year ago I noticed a bunch of people in our community, maybe it was November, had all gotten it. And these were people I absolutely trusted and knew. And I was like, okay, so there is something to this. But that's just when they started rolling out the vaccine. And then in January, I came in close contact to somebody who was freshly vaccinated and had felt unwell. And then I got it. And the other two people I was with within the next couple of days at that time also got it. And then I was like, oh, okay. So, and then, so that's why when they, so then it started getting really bad. Then the Delta thing came out and I thought it was highly correlated with the vaccine. I even coined AstraZeneca effects because every place where AstraZeneca did trials was every place that there was a, um, a variant of interest on the World Health Organization's watch list. And then when they started rolling out the vaccines to kids, I said, hey, you're going to see kids getting it now. You're going to see kids getting it. And they are saying, whether it's true or not, that Omicron affects kids. So I think it's highly correlated that or that like it's not just breakthrough cases, but sometimes vaccine induced or vaccine associated COVID. I think it is highly correlated with that. And if you look back, there are articles about them working on contagious vaccines for years. That may be, if it's a bioweapon, that may be where... That's what David Icke said when he was on. He said that the real bioweapon, I mean, he he still thinks the virus doesn't exist, but he said the real bioweapon isn't COVID, it's the vaccines. So Right, but I think the vaccine with the spike protein, like I'm shedding. I was always 
very skeptical of viruses, very skeptical of all of infectiousness and everything. I'm starting to think there is just something to that, but it may in itself have been a gain of function project. Since I was reading about this stuff as early as the 80s, it came to my attention. It could be that there were no infectious viruses at all and that they, it, that it's always a kind of gain of function thing. They say this resembles the most Lyme disease, which in Congress has actually identified it as a potential bioweapon and maybe gain of function is all they've ever really done and just to make viruses jump around like that. I don't know. I really don't know. It's very hard to follow, but my try my interpretation changes as more I can observe more information because you can't trust what you're reading. Dr. Francis Boyle was on InfoWars back in like January or February. Might have been January of 2020. Like when it was still before it even got to the US. And he was saying that, like, you know, they, India identified it and it's like, you know, a Frankenstein virus with um, HIV delivery system, all this stuff. I can't remember exactly. This was going back in my memory banks here. But it seems like, yeah, he might have been right all along that this whole thing was um, just jacked in with several different viruses, possibly even Lyme's disease. I mean, Lyme's disease probably came out of Fort Detrick. Um, Who knows? He did. He was also on Spiro, and uh, I forget what Spiro's show is called. But um, and I remember it was quite early on, and he was the first one to point out the gain of function stuff. And the thing about the Lyme disease is that long COVID and long Lyme disease are the only two. That's what McCullough said on Union of the Unwanted. The only two things that have that real tail. So I don't know, like, I don't like talking out my ass. I'm not a doctor. I don't, you know, I'm not a virologist. I don't have access to an electron microscope. We have to worship at the feet of the priests of the electron microscope who can only speak to us with, you know, they don't translate it into the vernacular. We cannot read their Greek. It's very, All hail Dr. Fauci. Yeah. And I, and so I really feel at a loss and I don't like to speculate about this stuff, but I really do not know who to trust and including a lot of those doctors who are on the front line are signing the parenting declaration they often say things like um you know they they often support the vaccine those guys so i mean i i think cowan is one guy i feel confident in i really really love david crow but he died shortly after we talked to him at the beginning of this he was he's writing the book the infectious myth and I just yeah, it's always Carrie funny Mullis how that happens, like Carrie Mullis right before all yeah. these guys. Yeah. Well, I, I saw the number, and a lot of them, it was, you know, around the world, like Russia. God, I wish I had this. I need to organize my sources better for stuff like this when I'm going on the fly. But there was something like, it was like 200, 250 virologists uh, were killed in 2019. Suicides, jumping out of windows, or, you know. The naturalists, right? It was the natural, the doctors, naturopaths, right? You think also virologists? I didn't. I don't remember that, but I remember a bunch of doctors were dying. I'm talking out of my ass right now, but yeah, I think it was virologists. Um, I, and I thought nothing of that. And I thought nothing of the CEOs all stepping down in January 2020. I thought nothing of that. People wanted me to think about it, and I was just like, eh. But now I look back, and I and I wonder if there was some house cleaning. I think there had to be yeah, to push well, for they, what they're doing now. And they're calling naturalists, they're calling people who self-sustaining, who grow their own food. It, Council on Foreign Relations are calling them a gateway to domestic terrorism, to radicals, to conspiracy White supremacists. They're calling yoga instructors, conspiracy theorists, uh, nat- 
racist. They're saying that is that is where the conspiracy, the Q problem thrives is naturalists, yoga instructors, anything that is healthy living that's not mainstream pharma. Hmm. I sorry, I'm looking I uh list uh, list of over 100 I, I dead microbiologists is the first thing I'm seeing, but I don't think that's Oh, it. wow. Yeah. Okay. That's different from the one I remembered, which was also the natural health people who, by the way, have surprised some in the conspiracy community by alongside with religious people. I've heard more than one conspiracy researcher say they were surprised that many conspiracy researchers didn't see through this right away, yet the naturalists did and a lot of the religious people did. But I feel that way about the Trump thing. Yeah. I'm bummed about Trump now that I'm thinking about it. Aw, I'm we sorry. Need, we need to get a... Who would be good? I was always the Jesse Ventura for president guy, but that guy has completely fallen off the... Uh, yeah, he has, hasn't he? <laughs> he is out, out of he his freaking mind. Too. Yeah. I was surprised you know, when I saw that. Here's something weird. I completely call... Uh, bullshit on DeSantis in Florida for a couple of things. I think him, the Miami condo collapse looked like a controlled demolition thing to me. And he, whatever, uh, went along with it. Apparently tons of stuff goes on in Florida that he, if he wanted to know about it, I don't, I don't remember if any of those false flags happened under him or the guy before him was the guy before him, Rick Scott. I can't remember, but like the Broward stuff, the weird stuff, the Parkland stuff, I think that was before DeSantis. And then DeSantis came out and he said, uh, we are not going to let private enterprise require the vaccine, which I consider to be a violation of property rights. So I was a little negative on him. He's obviously preparing to run for president. But I was talking to a guy who worked on some tech to predict the course of the virus and to recommend good policy. And he said that he talked to various politicians. And the one guy who really impressed him, which he didn't know, was who had he didn't even know who he was but it was DeSantis came really prepared for the interview understood or the conversation understood it all and then went and implemented it to the criticism of the rest of the country largely but he had better outcomes and much less havoc on the people in the society so if you're assuming that all politicians are bad news deep state or um are somehow fixed or compromised, at least unlike Trump, this guy seems to be going the route of um, good faith pragmatism with a, in the context of liberty. And I guess I would take that. I guess I would take that. So I think if, if he continued that, I would probably be okay with it. I always vote for Ron Paul. I'm not sure I could bring myself to vote for a mainstream candidate, but I don't know, you know, that, but I, that, I, just you know, a, I really don't believe there's any hope. So I don't think that, that it would work out that Dean way. Dean Reiner thinks there. that uh, even Ron Paul's fully compromised. I was like, man, that's a black pill. If that's true. <laughs> the only reason I would ever suspect that is that he does his I think that he does have Masonic, he may be a Mason and his wife is like kind of a, I've seen people talk openly about his wife being a Mason and, and Rand does a lot. Like if you're, you're talking about Rand, I really wouldn't, I, I wouldn't hesitate to say, yeah, he's definitely does yeah. some fishy stuff or compromises more than I would like to see. But the way I put it is that if Ron Paul 
and Trump are both limited hangouts, if they still have to give us a Ron Paul type, if that's the gimme, then we're doing okay. If the gimme is Trump, where he does nothing of fundamental restorative value and just riles people up and increases divisiveness and, and appeals to the base. You could read a book called Conjuring Hitler. It's about... Uh, it's by Guido Preparata. It's a good book. And it talks about how the English who were undermining the Ger- Germany between the wars. And of course, but the wars were England undermining Germany full stop. But they were looking around in the in the rubble of World War One for the most dysfunctional figure they could find. And and that Hitler was organic in that way, but he was promoted because they felt that he could undermine bring out. And I've seen this in the memetics document for the military that they use psyops to enhance dysfunctional subcultures so that's where trump got us but ron paul doesn't get you there and maybe they use ron paul maybe they use libertarian party and stuff as a corral maybe they use some people who do get one percent of the vote and split the ticket like what happened in georgia maybe they use that um against us i don't like that um i don't like the party stuff i think that's obviously corruptible but Ron Paul's message is powerful and valuable. And it does, it's kind of like when you look at um, Martin Luther King or Thomas Jefferson and you say, well, they, they weren't perfect. They did some stuff wrong. It's like, you know what? But their message and what they were working for, you can, that's, you know, it's good. There are inherently good things about that and we should have more of that. And I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, let me ask you both this because you said Ron Paul might have some Masonic ties or whatever. Are the are the Masons maybe the good guys? Like Randall Carlson's a high level Mason. The one that always got me is the uh, is Zapruder. Um, he's what gave Abraham Zapruder gave us the clear footage proving that Kennedy was shot from the front with the headshot. So like I don't know. There's enough high well, level say Freemasons that, that like maybe the Freemasons are kind of like the anti-illuminati in some way or something i think any organization like that that has influence over a large amount of people i think there's going to be people on both sides within those organizations i don't think any organization is going to be a monolith because those target those powerful organizations and institutions and anything that influences masses of people are always a target of co-option so there's always going to be that inner battle as long as well as the outer battle and so I think there probably is people that are good um, within those realms. I think there's probably those that are fighting against it, too. And they do so much good. I mean, even if that's a limited hangout, they, they, yeah. it's, char- it's mostly charitable. The Shriners and stuff, they do a lot, a lot of good. But at the very highest levels, I do believe... Those guys that drive in little cars with the red hats. Yeah, little huh. fezzes. <laughs> Isn't that right? I used to call it my... Um, they, one of my husband's relatives was a like high level Mason. And I was like, I was asking him all the questions and he was just like, I can't tell you, I can't tell you, I can't tell you. And so I know there are secrets and secrets are bad. And if you read, I think it's Jim Shea who exposes that he actually got to like the 33rd level or if there is a 34th level, I don't know. And, and like, hi, like evangelists were there, presidents were there and they revealed only at that very, very highest level that they don't actually worship God like they say they do, that it's a more sinister thing and that all that stuff's connected up at the top. 
I, I guess I feel like a various secret societies, most of the things that have in-group and out-group like double ethics where you treat people in the group better, like skull and bones, where if somebody's applying for a job and it's a bonesman, you're going to give them that job if he's qualified for it and not consider anybody else, like those kind of things. I think a lot of those, ultimately, if you actually did know, and this is kind of an Ike thing, it's like that octopus. So maybe they don't even realize that they're the tentacles of an octopus, but they yeah, serve they compartmentalize a them. Shut yeah, up. Yeah, and you don't have to levels. control it. Yeah. Um, God. We should do a whole show asking what the hell's going on with Trump. <laughs> yes. Yes. We, well, we had that whole thing from the beginning where he, he had some advantages. He, he did funny business in New York to get the original Trump Tower built. He got uh, exempted from some things that he would have, would have disqualified him from running uh, a casino. Let's be nice. Okay, sorry. I will. <laughs> sorry. I will. <laughs> you well, set me off. we can't attack a president. <laughs> you set me off. No, uh, did, I mean, he was... He's kind of a mob, right? Like, uh... well, that's a lot of that stuff was mobbed up, and it took me a long time to stumble upon this theory. But that Giuliani, who was a hero in New York growing up, when I was growing up there, that he was a hero because he really cleaned up the mob. But then I later learned that he cleaned up the Italian mob so that the Russian mob could move in. And I think Trump's mob ties bent broke Russian as well, which is what they could have focused on for his Russian connection and not like peeing on a bed. He was a germaphobe and a cheapskate. Oh, he did not hire prostitutes to pee on the bed. Yeah, that's that's uh, the the PP tape thing. People, a couple people have just gotten indicted for that whole, um, well, the whole Russia and um, God, what was the name? What's the name of that guy? There's been what, two indictments so far? Oh, Christopher Steele. The Steele dossier. Yeah, I, was, yes. um, I can't remember the guy that did he he didn't get indicted, did he? Some guy just got indicted though. But it's he just was nobody. It's like people you've, but people you've never heard of. Like it's never going to be Hillary and what were going they, down. What were they arrested for? For for funny business, right? Yeah, it was something to do with falsifying, knowingly falsifying documents and lying to the FBI right. or DOJ yeah. about the rush organs of the Russia origins of the russia something blah 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 it's like so it's, it's such a forgettable story i don't even because it was like it's like two guys i'd never heard of and i i didn't even bother following it because it's like i wanted to see i want to see some big names go down i want to see mccabe go down comey brennan but that's you know what, i mean what's extraordinary about that story is that whole pp dossier that was clearly a, an operation that I think it came from the Royal Institute of International Affairs, the the Chatham House. There was this guy named Sir Andrew Wood who is like 90 years old, and for decades he has been the guy who's been – his job is to plot how to, you know – hold off Russia, how to take over Russia, how to work them into the international world order. And during his introduction at one of these Chatham House panel discussions on in 2015, right before the 2016 thing, they're like, and with us as always, Sir Andrew Wood. He and then he 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 goes, Hi, I like to break up countries and everybody had a good laugh about how he <laughs> likes to break up countries. I mean that was his Some awkward line laughs. Some comment. of the laughing was awkward. <laughs> yeah. And so he is the guy that met up with John McCain at the at the Halifax 
security conference and alerted him. He was Andrew, not, or the other guy, Christopher Steele's mentor. That was his protege, and he's the one who hooked up McCain with Steele and told him all about the dossier. And so nobody's ever brought that guy into the mix when I think he was the one who was, uh, I think Steele was a puppet to him and the Chatham House. And these the, this story that was so ridiculous captured the minds of so many millions of Americans for years, and they still 100% believe it. And, I mean, this has dominated the media and shaped people's perception of reality. And then when we find out that it was all bogus, like really find out that it was bogus, they just kind of sweep the story under the rug and be like, ah, nothing to see here. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier is like, was this all just a big facade, a charade or like, you know, was Trump in on the P tape thing too? Like who it's just, it's just seems like it's just some little dance they're doing if nobody's getting in trouble for it. But there's, you know, always a patsy fall guy that some dipshit that nobody cares about. I did feel that a lot of it was theater to keep us distracted, a lot of distractions. So now that Biden's kind of boring, people are actually talking about some of the policies. But uh, one thing to remember is that Melania was set up and neutralized at the RNC. That was an inside job and Trump brushed that under the rug. So I don't I don't think that I think they really insulate these guys. They stovepipe information. They try to keep them knowing as little as possible. When Trump took office, I think I remember reading that he didn't even have a computer. They look for guys who are not really truly plugged in. His tweets came from like five different devices. So obviously he wasn't sitting there tweeting all the time. Like I just I feel like he 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 knows the way the game is played. His father made their money using government subsidies. His sister's a federal judge. Her his uncle John was an MIT professor who got all of Tesla's papers upon Tesla's death. Like he understands what happens behind and the scenes. And that's why Trump's he... Baron Trump and Trump are time travelers. Cause they got the Tesla patents. I remember that one. Yeah. They but, had a patent but they say like a that seven foot tall child. Yeah. They say that they say that to cover up the actual underlying truth, which is that guy has, I did get those papers. I'm sure he turned them into MIT he, or the military intelligence, but he was, he a was credited guy. Well, yeah, he used Tesla's technology to help the British develop weapons during World War II. And there's an article from, there's a bunch of articles actually from like the 50s or so uh, that is crediting John Trump with curing cancer using this x-ray technology that was Tesla's technology. And they just says he cured cancer, which obviously didn't. But it's just interesting to see what Trump's uncle did. He took Tesla's technology and it was it was weaponized. And also used uh, in the healthcare industry for good or for bad, depending on uh, your perception of that. But yeah, and Tesla had it locked up until the feds came in there and try. And you know, you know, Trump's. I think is his grandma. I believe her name is Christ. Hmm, no Christ, shit, Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. So yeah, he wait, died oh, in no, nineteen forty. It'd be better if, if Trump's if it was his aunt because then she he'd call her like antichrist or something <laughs> That's really funny. but tesla died in 1943 and what i read about john trump was that he got the papers at the hotel room before the nephew showed up so that would have been oh, 1943 did, yeah. so that would have been so you're saying they employed it by so he used that technology after that yeah they, right. he started helping them develop those weapons and then he started making the medical technology with it or helping develop the medical technology 
Yeah, if you do an archive search on any newspaper, I think it was AJC I did it on, and just do the quotes with uh, John Trump, then you'll find a bunch of archives with his name, and, and most of it is tied to that technology. Damn. Well, that's another rabbit hole to go down. I I was it on is. the I, when we were doing the whole harp episode. I was trying to tie a lot of Tesla's patents to uh to the harp and weather technology, but uh oh yeah yeah he the kinda, earthquake machine yeah oh yeah I love that one um Oz yeah yeah odds tuning in the chat I hope I'm saying that name right said look up the book the last president. And uh, there's so many different books with that title. But when you look up just the words, the last president, it says Joe Biden. So I don't know if that's <laughs> does, like a dire it. prediction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Might be a dire prediction from the Google search results there. Well, but that could just be like a tautology, the, you know, the definitional. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it is. <laughs> uh, well, anything else we need to cover before we uh, call it an evening here? I think we did a lot. Did a lot of good. We figured a lot of things out. I um, let me think. I I feel like I hate to feel like really blackpilled. I really want something more. I think I want I this. I want this to be our white pilled Christmas. And I know that we're still here trying to figure it out. And they put all of their propaganda. They try so hard to propagandize us, so clearly they know that we can still think, that we're still good, that we will still resist. So I don't know. Like, what do you think is the is the greatest hope? Uh, hmm. Greatest hope. Um, I think, well, like the one that people bring up is, uh, but I think it bears repeating because it's so true is, the fact that the best hope is the fact that they're pushing this whole great reset vaccine push, you know, new world order crap so fast and so hard all of a sudden that it's woken up like the numbers have, you know, tripled or quadrupled of the amount of people that are awake. And I think that's going to keep happening. So that's that's a, a good white pill for you. And, uh, you know, the backup solution would just be hope that uh, your state w joins the others and legalizes weed if you're in my boat. And uh, yeah, at least, and you know, I think you're you going to get psychedelics. World end. Yeah. yeah, I think you're going to get psychedelics as well. Yeah, it's Tennessee. So, so we'll be like, it'll be like us and then Alabama will be the last two states to legalize. I thought me. I noticed some twang in there. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was going to ask you where you were from. I'm from Georgia. <laughs> nice. How, give yeah, us a little in Georgia. Georgia. What's your Binkley usually cleans it up and sounds like he's from Atlanta, but sometimes he can make it sound like he's from the sticks. If I get excited or if I if I'm drinking, then I'm definitely gonna start. Talking but so it, like when you're night, yeah, you know? it comes out a lot. <laughs> How's it gonna go? I'm How's it gonna go? So far, so. It's been like motherfucker. What are we doing here? Let's go out and get some drink. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what happens when you're hanging out with your brother on New Year's? Let's just put it. That My brother guy. talks like this all the time. He's like, Brad, uh, what? Uh, Trump, Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Make America great. Let's nah, go, Brandon. My brother's funny. My brother actually alerted me to when Eric Erickson called Garland a conspiracy theorist when he our called, election integrity activist. Yeah. We do a lot of work. See, we didn't vote for Trump. None of us voted for Trump, but we still 
support the guy who's fighting the good fight in Georgia for election integrity. We've been interviewing, we've probably interviewed him 35 times this year as he tried to use the courts to recount in in Georgia, and he really got railroaded. But we're absolutely, I, I literally don't even believe in governments. I hate working within the framework, but I absolutely am totally committed to trying to kick the can of tyranny down the road for as long as I can. So maybe that's a good white pill too. Yeah. Can I ask so. you I'm hoping one my last kids, question? my kid's about to be three months. So I'm hoping his first word will be Trump. Oh, I saw the picture. He's so cute. Like, so are you, do you, uh, cocktail also because what we like to drink maybe i'll recommend a cocktail for you oh i thought you meant for my baby i was like uh he's a whiskey well man. i'm just wondering if you have a baby sometimes you can't drink at all because it's like what used to not be a drinking problem is a big freaking problem when someone's getting up at two in the morning but oh yeah no i uh i'm a beer guy for the most part but you know i like uh i like a good bourbon i like uh woodford reserve angel's envy I work at a liquor oh, store, nice. so it's pretty much... No way! Yeah. <laughs> You're lying! Oh, that's awesome. I have a blog, a cocktail blog, monicamixes.com, and it's basically just so I have recipes when I'm traveling because I can't live with that. And now that I'm a, a victim of apartheid, I actually cannot go into bars in some place. I went to Hawaii the other day. I had to bring all of my little tinctures and tinctures and mixers and everything with me so that I could make cocktails in the hotel room, which saved a lot of money, by the way. But so maybe pick your favorite cocktail and maybe it will, we'll do a, a cocktail party together, a zoom. I would love party. that. You, yeah. Um, do yeah, you I'm unveil looking... your, your face or would you be an avatar? Um, I've been on OBDM as a guest and that was where I first had my showed my face. I just look like, Oh, well, our, our cocktail parties disappear at the end. They're private on YouTube and then they just go away at the end. So it would just be those few people. Oh, okay. Yeah, go. that's fine. We'll set it up. No worries. We'll do something. Yeah, we'll hell do yeah. something in 2022. It'll be and fun. then, uh, yeah, I'm at uh, monicamixes.com. So that'll be in the show notes for people to uh, check oh, out. Thanks. I'll put that in it's there. It's not, then... you know, it's, it's not comprehensive, but you can have a little fun with it. It looks good. A lot of Christmas cocktails there. Yes. At the... Uh... Maple Perfect Manhattan caught my eye. Yeah. Oh, it's so friggin' <laughs> delicious. I do and like you Bloody can, Marys. You can make it with Woodford Reserve. Perfect. Yeah. Well. Uh. And then obviously, you got the uh, the propreport.com. And I heard on your one of your recent episodes, you're on Locals now. But is that yes? Is that where the podcast is, or is that more of like a Discord type thing? So it's kind of like a combo of that stuff in that we, we put all of our premium content other than like special live stream stuff, which we do and Binkley's deep dives, which we do on Rockfin, but we do every, every platform has its own flavor. But as far as the extended commercial free daily news show, as well as our extended interviews, they are all, um, if you subscribe to any of those platforms, you get all of that. So you have to decide what you want, but locals is kind of like Twitter where Anybody who's a subscriber gets to contribute to the post and it's becoming really social and personal and fun. It's where I do all my cocktail stuff and Bigley's going to put some parody stuff in there. So that I think is super fun, but I love them all and everybody's welcome. And if you want to join all of them, I'll like figure out how to get everything for some package deal. We're just started on local, so I got to get the hang of it, but 
And then Rockfin is like a Netflix type subscription where you, if you have a Rockfin account, you get all the content. Is that how that works? Yes. And a lot of the Union of the Unwanted guys are on there. And Tripoli's like head of comedy there. Yep. And that's where Binkley does the exclusive deep dives, which are actually worth the subscription on their own. But you also get all our subscribers and everybody else's subscriber stuff. It's really, that is an unbelievably awesome platform. I absolutely love that platform too. But it doesn't have that social media feature so i had to kind of we wanted to fold in a little bit of that yeah um if i because I'm, I'm at your website is there a way or if you could send me all those links i'll put them in the show notes for everybody oh, so they can sure. find all that yeah i was I'll i was not right seeing like a, a great way to find them all in one place it's and under subscribe i think if you click on oh. subscribe but i will uh, uh, yes. that's probably good information <laughs> that is yeah, not definitely. easy to find I'll take care of that. Um, but yeah, so, but you know, we're just, we like to build community. So we're, we try different platforms to see how we can connect. We like to do meetups. We like people who are doing meetups. Like I'll send somebody a free propaganda report t-shirt if they want to do, go to a farmer's market and meet people in real life who oh, that's cool. are like-minded. Yeah, it's really, really, that's what we care about. Because honestly, I joke about it. I'm like, we're just trying to save the world. But we're not. We're just trying to, you know, make this life worth living, even though there's a lot of oppression and tyranny and depression stuff, but there's so many great people. Like you're right. So many more people are awake now. So many, and they're great people. I mean, they, and it coincides with a lot like fresh food and, um, earthy wisdom. I've just, it's been a great experience. Yeah. It's the quickening. So things are getting a lot worse in some ways and a lot better in other ways. But, uh, and then yeah. of course it's, uh, at freedom act radio, correct? On yes, Twitter? that's correct. At, at freedom act radio on Twitter. And then uh, at Monica Perez show on Twitter. So people yeah. can also follow you there. And thanks again, guys. And uh, yeah, check out the Propaganda Report on all those platforms we just mentioned. And once again, this is a value for value podcast. That means no ads, no paywalls, but you can donate. So if you want to go to shipmyass.com, anybody, and go to clip, <laughs> click, up the, click up to the top right. There's a little button that says donate. There's a tab. I just added that has the greatest hits, some of the best episodes, all kinds of little fun things for you to do. And of course, the chat room where you can troll along in the IRC node. Thanks to Servo and Void Zero for setting that up. And thanks again, guys. This was fun. We'll have to uh, meet up again. Thank thanks you so us. much. Take it easy, y'all. I'll let you go. See y'all later. God bless. Later. The 9th of December 2019 The IG report drops any minute There's so much excitement Unseal the indictments Can't wait to see Hillary in prison And I scroll through to see what it shows It says Russia Gate was all A-OK And I'm left here sucking a joke It'll bar, 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 bar It'll bar, 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 bar So 
of the ball together. may be above the law and Clapper may always run free but we still might give a cave and we'll all be good slaves because you and I will always be bad to tell us it's all okay just shut up and trust the plan <laughs> one day the whole swamp will be framed You're working on some of those problems, but the problem of wokeness specifically, you mentioned that's like a mind virus and it's destructive. Uh, and why, why do you think wokeness is so destructive? I'm interested in your, your opinions too. Um, but, you know, like, I mean, generally, I think we should be aiming for like a, a positive society and, uh, you know, that it should be okay to you know, be humorous, uh, like, you know, like we should, we should, like, like wokeness basically wants to make comedy illegal, <laughs> which is not cool. We've experienced a little bit of that. <laughs> I mean, Ch Chappelle, like what the flower bed, I mean, try to shut down Chappelle. Come on, man. That's crazy. Um, so, um, you know, so do, do we want a humorless society that is, is simply rife with condemnation, uh, and hate, basically. Uh, and no forgiveness, right? Yeah. yeah. At, at its heart, wokeness is divisive, um, exclusionary, um, and hateful. It's, it's, it basically gives mean people a reason, a, 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 it gives them a shield to be, to be mean and cruel, mm. armored in false virtue. Well, since I got some time, I wanted to go through this video of John Oliver talking about misinformation. So, uh, let's do it, shall we? Yeah. <clears throat> For our main story tonight, we're going to talk about the internet. It's a magical place where you can find communities of like-minded individuals, like, for instance, the TikToker who created a charming video of things narrowly fitting into tight spaces, something that this exceedingly British woman was a big fan of. Hi, here we go. Oh, that were nice. That literally fitted perfectly. Oh, that's nice. Oh, bloody hell. Bit close for comfort, that. Stressing me out a bit, but that were nice. Oh, go on. Oh, yes, go on. How do you find that all these things fit? Do you know what I mean? 
Like you just sit in your house and just think, see if things fit in holes. You know what? She's asking a legitimate question there, and I do think that the answer is yes. <laughs> but sadly, our story isn't going to be about the fun side of the internet tonight. It's going to be about the rampant misinformation on it. It's something that we've covered multiple times before, from Alex Jones to vaccine misinformation to conspiracy theories. But tonight, we're going to be looking specifically at misinformation that spreads among immigrant diaspora communities. Basically, instead of stuff like this Facebook post in English titled The Fake Vaccination of Kamala Harris, which incidentally Facebook has flagged as false information, we're going to be looking at stuff like this post in Spanish featuring the exact same video, which as of taping has no such warning. And that actually isn't that surprising. When you so the, the complaint here is that there's a video titled The Fake vaccination of Kamala Harris and Facebook took it down, but they didn't take it down when it was posted in another language. But, okay, let's look at this uh, screenshot that John Oliver here is showing of the video. You can't see the needle entering her skin. The doctor is covering the part of her arm where the needle will go in. The doctor is covering with her hand the needle, the syringe, whether it would be emptying it or not. So, in trying to point out that Kamala really did get vaccinated and this is a fake story, you would think John Oliver would maybe, I don't know, show a better screenshot where you actually can see that she's getting vaccinated. So he's arguing against himself here, knowingly or not. Harris, which incidentally Facebook has flagged as false information, we're going to be looking at stuff like this post in Spanish featuring the exact same video, which as of taping has no such warning. And that actually isn't that surprising when you consider that according to the recent Facebook Files expose, while more than 90% of Facebook's monthly users are outside the US and Canada, when it comes to the hours the company spends on monitoring misinformation, last year only 13% was spent on content from outside the US. So it seems that Facebook's adopted the same general attitude to misinformation that the Oscars took toward best pictures for the first 90 years of its existence. Basically, if it doesn't happen in English, it doesn't fundamentally matter. And the spread of misinformation has real consequences. When a reporter recently tried to figure out why vaccination rates among Latino communities in California's Central Valley remain low, one woman explained her reluctance like this. I've listened to health leaders. Come again. Like who? There's a doctor who I've heard. And I've seen him in some documentaries, and he says the virus is curable. I found one of the female doctors. The most important thing for my people of El Salvador is to say no. You shouldn't be getting the COVID vaccine. How did you find this video? My mother sent it to me. A través de qué medio? A través de medio de Facebook. Why do you believe this doctor and not someone like Dr. Fauci? I've never seen Dr. Fauci. Never? No, I have. Yeah, that's not great, is it? And it's a pretty good reminder of how thanks to social media. Why why would it why would somebody in South America, John Oliver, why would somebody in South America need to watch Dr. Fauci. Isn't he America's doctor? I didn't know he was El Salvador's doctor, too. Yeah, that's not great, is it? And it's a pretty good reminder of how, thanks to social media, it is possible to silo yourself off and have very different experiences of living in America because she was aware of a doctor from El Salvador peddling bullshit COVID cures but had never heard of Dr. Fauci. 
I don't know. Hmm. Well, let's see. Uh, John Oliver, are you a doctor? So you're saying this doctor's full of shit, but you're not a doctor. Play this game all day. At point, I honestly kind of envy her. Whatever you think about Fauci, I think we can all agree it would have been great to have seen significantly less of him over the last year and a half. Well, that's true. That woman will never know the dystopian hell of seeing Fauci superimposed over a votive candle or hearing people refer to the vaccine as a Fauci ouchie. She enjoys an inner peace I will never know. And look, we clearly haven't remotely figured out what to do with English language misinformation yet, as proven by the fact that when I say the words horse dewormer or the letter Q, you know exactly what I'm referring to. <laughs> well, I know it is hard to imagine that this situation could be worse. When it comes to non-English language misinformation, it honestly is. So tonight, let's talk about misinformation in diaspora communities, how easily it can be spread and what can be done about it. Let's what is diaspora? Does anybody know? Diaspora community. Diaspora. Diaspora. D-I-A-S-P-R-A. Diaspora. The dispersion of the Jewish people beyond Israel. Jewish person living outside Israel. Oh, the dispersion of any people from their original homeland is the alternate definition. Diaspora community. A scattered population whose origin lies in a separated geographical locale. Historically, the word diaspora was mass dispersion of a population from its indigenous territories. That's a weird way he's framing this. Instead of just saying uh, non-English speaking or non-Western. Yeah, weird. This language misinformation, it honestly is. So tonight, let's talk about misinformation in diaspora communities, how easily it can be spread and what can be done about it. Let's start with the fact that while some misinformation is basically the same in other languages, in other cases, it taps into culturally specific interests or fears. For instance, communities with lived experience under communist or socialist regimes are often targeted with misinformation that tries to stoke fears about socialism. In fact, Joe Biden's underperformance in majority Latino areas in Florida may have had a lot to do with the fact that before the election, Cuban communities were absolutely inundated by false claims like this. For the past few months, many Hispanic American voters have seen reports and images trying to tie Joe Biden to socialism. For instance, this photo has been floating around on social media. It claims to be Jill Biden next to Fidel Castro. But in fact, this is false. It's actually a photo of late Norwegian explorer Thor Heyerdahl and his wife Jacqueline Beer. Okay, that photo is clearly not Jill Biden, and that is definitely not Joe Biden. Although I look that picture of Castro makes he looks like Liam Neeson. Looks a lot more like him than this animatronic version at Disney World's Hall of Presidents does. What is going on there? That looks like what would happen if an elderly Anderson Cooper got a facelift from a plastic surgeon without a medical license. <laughs> and sometimes the spread of misinformation is exacerbated by the fact that for many diaspora communities here in the United States, there just aren't many alternatives in their own languages. For many older Vietnamese Americans, there is such a vacuum of credible news channels that broadcast in Vietnamese that many turn to YouTube for their news with certain channels on in their houses 24-7. One popular host based here in the United States is Nui Vu, who brands himself King Radio. He's basically a Vietnamese Alex Jones, as you can see in rants like these. 
China completely has control of Biden. The whole situation with Hunter Biden's laptop and the trove of data it contains. I think Xi Jinping has got his hands on all of it. George Soros was part of the financial plot to overthrow the Trump administration. This guy is awesome. King Radio. King News. I'm going to have to look this guy up. Why are we still being forced to wear masks? Masks are killing people. If you're in a state that gives you the right to not wear a mask, and then you enter someone's house but they try to make you wear one, tell them fuck you. Fuck you! I mean, <laughs> Hell yeah. you can see where the Alex Jones comparisons come from. Both have voices that sound like bones going through a wood chipper, both have an inability to control the volume of said voices, and both have sets clearly inspired by a Windows 95 screensaver. We're six minutes into this 20-minute John Oliver video, and he's brought up Alex Jones like five times. Like, this dude lives... Alex Jones just lives in John Oliver's head rent-free, more than he does in mine. Kind of weird. Also, they both seem to have the same business model, with King Radio selling his audience Viagra, medications, and beauty creams that he claims are made by his cousin, which should be a huge red flag. Unless his cousin is named Steve Clinique, I do not want any creams from that individual. But again, while Alex Jones has been removed from YouTube for spreading misinformation... Uh, Alex Jones, again, keeps showing different pictures of him. A lot of name-dropping Alex Jones here. King Radio is still going strong on the platform, despite the fact you just heard him say masks are killing people, which clearly violates YouTube's ban on claims that wearing a mask is dangerous. And what I guess this means is Alex Jones could probably find his way back onto YouTube if he could just complete a Rosetta Stone course in Vietnamese. And as bad uh, uh, uh. as Facebook and YouTube are, and they are screamingly, screamingly bad, at least in... This is, my, this is the best part of this, because John Oliver here is saying that the, the reason that Facebook and YouTube are screamingly bad, quote-unquote, screamingly bad, is because they don't censor enough people. They don't, YouTube and Facebook are bad because they're not censoring enough people. Uh, I mean, the the hamster on wheels, the little tubby guy, uh, Ethan Klein, H3H3, who is probably one of the most vile human beings on the planet, just got his live streaming capability shut down for a week, and he's crying about it. And this is the leftiest lefty. This is the guy that advocates for anybody spreading, quote-unquote, COVID or vaccine information should be banned, and now he's crying because he can't live stream that millionaire douchebag so yeah if there's one thing youtube and facebook are bad at it's they don't censor enough people thanks john oliver which clearly violates youtube's ban on claims that wearing a mask is dangerous and what i guess this means is alex jones could probably find his way back onto youtube if he could just complete a rosetta stone course in <laughs> vietnamese and as bad as facebook and youtube are and they are screamingly screamingly bad at least in theory, they can be monitored. But there is another way misinformation spreads that's actually invisible to most people and, unfortunately, also happens to be one of the most popular tools of communication among immigrant communities, and that is private messaging apps. The biggest by far is WhatsApp, owned by Facebook, which is massive all over the world. So much so, it has become part of many people's daily routine. In India, sending good morning messages on WhatsApp is incredibly popular, meaning millions of people wake up every day to relatives having sent them one of these, or even a video like this. A little e-card here. Good morning. 
I will say, that is an aggressively pleasant way to wake up. <laughs> when we came across that message uploaded to YouTube, the top comment on it was simply, nice, which <laughs> is pretty striking. Nothing else on that platform has a response that wholesome. You just know the American version of Good Morning would have a top comment like, you know who had a shit morning? Harambe. Rest in peace, King. <laughs> but it's not just WhatsApp. Certain communities have their own preferred app. Korean immigrants have Kakaotalk, while more recent Chinese immigrants use WeChat. And if you are not on these apps, it can be hard to understand just how central they are to people's lives. This tune and loading screen are instantly recognizable to over 1 billion people around the world. In China, where most Western social media is banned, WeChat is essential. People use it to text each other, order food, hail rides, and pay for things. Outside of China, the diaspora uses it to connect with fellow Chinese speakers and issues in the country they're living in. Exactly. Communication, food orders, travel, payment, everything all in one app. That is so much more efficient than the US-based model, where you have one app to convince you everyone's having a better time than you, <laughs> one that functions as an endlessly refreshing fury generator, one for pretending you'll meditate one day, one that lets you pay too much for fast food, one for horny mistakes, and one that simply lets you know that you're very old and the world no longer belongs to you. So, I guess, in a way, kudos to WeChat for streamlining our shared digital nightmare into one convenient place. I hate this. It sucks. So these apps are a cheap and ubiquitous way to allow people to stay in touch with family and friends and also Say get news funny, and share information in their home languages, which is obviously very appealing. Unfortunately, they're also a huge vector for misinformation. There is actually a saying in the Latino community, in the Venezuelan and Cuban communities, about la tía del WhatsApp. It's the aunt that goes on WhatsApp and receives uh, any type of conspiracy theory and forwards it to all her contacts. We all have somebody in our family like that. Oh, yeah, we do. And it is By the way, there's two people talking. Let me back that up. These two people talking here from this Vice News segment Oliver's playing are both wearing masks outdoors. Misinformation. There is actually a saying in the Latino community, in the Venezuelan and Cuban community. Oh, my God. Okay. Lucas Renfigo Keller, activist. Let's look what this... Venezuelos con Biden. Venezuelos con Biden. Venezuelos. Venezuelos con Biden. Let's get a translation for this, because if this guy is a Biden activist... Oh, my God. Okay. I found him on Twitter. Jesus Christ. Okay. I found him on Twitter. Holy shit. Okay, so the guy John Oliver's playing is from a Vice News segment, Lucas Rodrigo Keller, activist. And then below that it says, Venoslandos con Biden. I found him on Twitter. He is an official grassroots volunteer-led group of Venezuelans who support Joe Biden. So this is the guy that we're going to hear about misinformation from. He's got Biden-Harris Venezuelacon. Biden-Harris 2020. So a guy that for some reason in Venezuela is actively supporting from a grassroots Joe Biden is on Vice News. And then John Oliver is playing a video of him talking about, oh, my God. I mean, this is rich. Okay. Unfortunately, they're also a huge vector for misinformation. There is actually a saying in the Latino community, in the Venezuelan and Cuban communities, about la tía del WhatsApp. It's the aunt that goes on WhatsApp and receives 
uh, any type of conspiracy theory and forwards it to all her contacts. We all have somebody in our family like that. Oh, yeah, we do. And it is almost comforting to know that regardless of background, every single family has one member that when anyone gets a message from them, the first response is to go, oh, shit, what now? It is a truly universal experience. And there are particular reasons these apps have become especially fertile grounds for misinformation. For instance, in many countries, Facebook, which, remember, owns WhatsApp, has partnered with mobile phone carriers to make accessing its services a lot cheaper than accessing the rest of the Internet. So misinformation can spread far and wide without the same ability to check it. In Brazil, a broadband connection can cost up to 15% of a household's income, essentially making fact-checking too expensive for the average Brazilian, which is a truly what? terrifying thought. And WeChat has its own features that make sourcing harder to follow because it has a function for users to set themselves up as what's known as self-media, basically a pseudo-news channel. But there is a crucial limitation there. While Facebook and Twitter generally allow publishers to post links that take users to other websites, WeChat bans most publishers from embedding hyperlinks in articles. This means pretty much everything is self-contained on the platform. It's hard to find the original source material and debunk it. Right, and that is a big deal because who your source is matters. A book called How I Broke Rules and Made History reads completely differently if it was written by Ruth Bader Ginsburg or Osama bin Laden. <laughs> so, misinformation can circulate freely on messaging apps and in closed groups, basically invisible to the general public. And sometimes, when the messages are end-to-end -end encrypted, even to the companies that host them. And they're often being passed around by trusted friends and family members, lending them an aura of legitimacy. And it can be truly exasperating for younger people to see just how susceptible their relatives are to this bullshit. Subreddits like Asian Parent Stories are full of posts like WeChat fucked up my parents. <laughs> and listen to this woman read a message that was flying around her South African family's WhatsApp group. Please do not fill petrol to the maximum limit. It may cause explosion. This week, five explosion accidents have happened due to filling petrol to the maximum. Please do share this message. Rescue 1122. I've never heard of it. I've never seen it. So I don't see how she believes it. But you know what? Because WhatsApp says so, it's true. Your car's going to explode. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's not. Your car is not going to explode. What is true, Unless though, it's a Tesla, right? Like that <laughs> Unless is it's a Tesla. Everywhere on these apps, our own staff has had family members circulate things like these videos in Korean promoting conspiracy theories like QAnon, or this post about how Ayurvedic doctors say we can save ourselves from coronavirus with tips like boil black peppers in water and add lemon juice. It uh, boil black peppers in water and add lemon juice probably works better than the uh, Moderna vaccine, I'd say kills the virus, which would be great news if it was true, but, you know, it isn't. <laughs> the problem is so familiar to younger generations that one son of Indian parents mocked it on TikTok like this. Here's how you make brown parents believe literally anything. You're going to start with the plain background and write whatever you want, but just make sure you write it in this font. That's crucial. Now, mention any religious text and talk about body, mind, spirit, or something like that, and make sure that you mention a Harvard scientist helped confirm ancient wisdom, because we love those headlines. Now, make a diagram that looks scientific and religious at the same time and throw some Sanskrit on there. Don't worry about accuracy. Beautiful. Now, mention some chemicals. I chose Kanye and Drake's name and made them look like compounds. It doesn't matter if they're real or not. Our uncles and aunties have PhDs in science, but that's no match for WhatsApp. Now, it's 
it's imperative that you insult Western medicine and culture at this last part. You know the drill, three dots, three exclamation points, cite your sources, and make the image quality a little worse. And that is perfection. Yeah. A lot of John, a lot of John, John over here not really adding much commentary to these clips other than going, yeah, yeah, it's a problem. Yep. Yep. All it takes yeah. is a few superficial labels and style choices to convince people that something with no real substance is actually meaningful and good. Or as it's known in America, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> and while that was grow up! And while, and while that was that clearly first good joke fun, of this episode. That, that guy later posted a follow-up saying that his image had worked slightly too well because it was making the rounds on WhatsApp, but not always as a joke. And we have seen the very real impacts that misinformation on these apps can have. In India, misinformation has been linked to violence and deaths to the point where WhatsApp felt it necessary to create this ad. Meet Kavya. She lives away from her family. First time. But very close to their hearts. On the family's WhatsApp group. But today, she's a little serious. Fufaji has forwarded some random fake news on the family group. Kavya called him right away. Ah, Kavya. Fufaji, namaste. Do you have some proof for that message or did you just forward it? I just received it on some random group. And made him understand that fake news can cause violence. <laughs> we shouldn't circulate something dangerous, right? She convinced Fufaji to leave that group. Be like Kavya. Share joy, not rumours. Yeah, 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 sure. It's a nice sentiment, but it's also not great when you have to produce a PSA essentially saying, look, some of what's on our service is dangerous nonsense, and if you could help clean it up for us, that'd be really great. <laughs> At the very least, they might want to change that slogan to share the responsibility for keeping misinformation but destroying the fabric of our society, because we clearly can't do it. <laughs> so what can we do about all of this? Well, ideally, Platforms like Facebook, YouTube and others would be at least as proactive about taking down misinformation in other languages as they are about taking it down in English, which I know is a low, low bar, but it does say something about where we're at right now. As for private messaging apps, that is trickier because of how they are designed. And even when some have taken steps to slow the spread of misinformation, they've often amounted to half measures. WhatsApp for instance, started placing limits on the number of chats a message can be forwarded to, capping it at up to five chats at a time, which might sound good, but in practice, it leaves plenty of room for damage. If a message is sent to a WhatsApp group of 20, then each of them shares it with 20 other people, and... Oh, no, it's spreading like a virus. Times, it can reach more than three million people very quickly. Yeah, it can still yeah. spread pretty yeah. far. And I know that this isn't the main point here, but also... I'm going to start doing that every time I wrap up a clip. I'm just going to go, yeah, yup, yeah. How many of us are in two group chats of 20 different people each? And if you are, how the fuck do you sleep? How, how do you get anything done without constantly swiping away notifications? And if you think, well, hold on, it's not a problem, just mute them, then how do you catch up on anything that's happened in the chat? You're going to spend half of your day scrolling back up just so you know what this gif meant in context. <laughs> Mom sent that? In response to what? I have to find out. A key problem right now is that many communities don't have the same fact-checking resources that English-speaking ones do. If someone sends you an Alex Jones clip, you can... No, Alex Jones name drop again. What is that, like, the 20th time so far? 
Bonto with any number of trusted sources debunking him. You can send them something from PolitiFact or Snopes or <laughs> factcheck.org. But oh, if good. someone sends you PolitiFact, a... Snopes, and PolitiFact, Snopes, factcheck.org. Great. Thank you, John Oliver. Uh, just, yeah. This... Sources debunking him. You can send them something from PolitiFact or Snopes or factcheck.org. But if someone sends you a clip from King Radio, Vietnamese language fact checking sources are thin on the ground. There are some. There is Viet Fact Check, a volunteer led project, and The Interpreter, which works to translate news articles from reputable outlets into Vietnamese. But these. I'm going to have to find King Radio and link his channel in the show notes because this guy seems awesome. These are often small organizations, and the people running them are outmatched and understandably fucking exhausted. So groups like these badly need resources to better match the challenge that they are facing. But beyond that, there needs to be public pressure on platforms to do something about all forms of misinformation, whether they are in English or not, because a whole lot depends on this. And until they do, if you are a member of one of these diaspora communities... You may need to prepare yourself for more difficult conversations with your least favorite uncles. <laughs> Although there is one tiny way that we may be able to help you here because we made some good morning messages specifically tailored for your needs. Like this one, which reads Good morning. Take every chance you get in life and rethink sharing news from a bullshit source. It might be easier to send that to an uncle in the morning rather than, you know, speak to him. Or you can even send him a video message like this. Good morning. You share one more COVID conspiracy. I will take your phone and throw it in a river. Love and blessings upon you. That's That's right. It may not be the morning message that they want, but it is definitely the morning message that they need. And for Vietnamese Americans in particular, if any of your relatives have King Radio on in the background 24 hours a day, we made a special message just for you. (laughs) Remember, if someone calls himself King and offers you dick pills made by their cousin, they're probably not the most reputable source in the world. Have a great day. See, that's... You can download that message in both English and Vietnamese and a few more messages like them at bettermorningmessages.com. Feel free to use them when you cannot handle a whole conversation, but know deep down you do really have to say something. That is our show. Thank you so much for watching. We're off next week. We'll be Uh back after that. Good night. Great. Nightmare into one convenient... I'm going to back it up here because this is the most troubling part about this whole video. John Oliver, if I can find the moment... in multiple instances, is advocating for the censorship and surveillance of minorities. He's The whole presentation here comes down to these Hispanics and these Africans are and Chinese immigrants are sharing private messages that I don't agree with. We need to do something about this. So he's advocating for not only the censorship, but the surveillance of private messages of minorities. I cannot think of a more fucking racist, like, grandiose, you know, oh, my God. Let's see if this he talks about it here. Place. So these apps are a cheap and ubiquitous way to allow people to stay in touch with family and friends and also get news and share information in their home languages, which is obviously very appealing. Unfortunately, they're also a huge vector for misinformation. There is actually a crucial limitation there. While Facebook and Twitter generally... WeChat has its own features that make sourcing harder to follow because it has a function for users to uh, set themselves up as what's known as self-media. 
post it's, about how at some point doctors in here, say we can save us. He's, he's saying they, it's hard to trace these people. It's hard to trace what they're saying. These minorities, they're talking to each other, and we really got to put a stop to it. You can't, we, it's like we can track it in English and we can shut those people down no problem. But these dang minorities are talking to each other in family group chats, spreading COVID misinformation. Oh, man. Well, uh, sorry for making you listen to that. I kind of put me in a bad mood too. But here in about uh, five or 10 minutes, uh, get the uh, Monica and. Brad from the Propaganda Report will be in here and uh, going to do a show with them. And coming at some point today, we got uh, a Christmas carol. Meet Us Pod put a full production together. It's going to be uh, fantastic. I believe that's dropping today. Very good stuff. Uh, I'll be I'll be back. I'll be uh, I'll be back 